0: Welcome, everyone, to today's Daily Directional. These are navigational messages that help keep us pointed in the right direction. I'm Pastor Bethany, and I'm a learner, listener, and noticer of God. This podcast is a part of the Storytellers Collective. You can find us online at www.storytellerscollective.org. One of the main reasons that I started this podcast is because I desperately want the storyline of every one of my days to be shaped by the word of God, the guidance and the leading of the Holy Spirit, and a sense of faithfulness and obedience. I think that Christian discipleship is best defined as apprenticeship to Jesus. An apprentice learns by following, by watching, and by copying his or her mentor. He sets out every day to learn, to grow, and to mature by staying very close to his mentor. Taking direction, yes, but also simply by rubbing shoulders and noticing how his mentor handles skills, materials, people, relationships, and situations. We want to be apprentices of Jesus. And to do that, we have to know him. To do that, we have to seek God's word to remember again and again what he teaches how he lived, how he guides. Welcome, friends. Today, we are back in the book of James in chapter one. We're doing the second half of the chapter. These are verses 19 through 27. And today I'm reading in the English Standard Version. Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Well, today, I find my interest being pulled towards these first few verses of James, where he says, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And then he also explains that the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So for a second, I want us to remember back to last week, where we realized that God's purpose for us is to become complete, to become full, to become perfect and mature. And this just seems to be a specific example of a way and a place in which God is pushing us towards growing maturity. So the three things that James asks us to do are to be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. The first, being quick to hear, It's pretty simple, right? It asks us to open our ears and to listen. The second, be slow to speak, hmm, I actually think, points us back towards listening again. Except this time, he's really asking us to listen actively. Not about what we'll say next, but truly be present and aware to listen to the other person. See, when we're slow to speak, we're able to notice more about what's going on not just hearing someone's words, but seeing and appreciating their actions, their body language, the environment around us, their feelings. I call this becoming a good noticer, someone who's an active perceiver. And if you notice, that's part of my little introduction and an explanation of who I am. I hope I am, I pray I am every day, both to become a good noticer of other people but also of the movement of the Holy Spirit in every place, in every day. If this isn't something that you have wanted yet or that you see in yourself or a way that you know how to interact with either God or the world, that's okay. Remember, all the way back to those first verses in James, if anyone lacks wisdom, all he has to do is ask God for it. And God gives generously. So will you for a second pray with me? Let's ask together. Lord God, grant us spiritual eyes to see your people and creation the way that you do. Help us to notice the deep things and care about the wounds in others that need tending and care. Help us be aware of their emotions and help us to tread lightly where there is joy and hold gently where there is hurt. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, that third thing is, that James asks us to be slow to anger. This one's a little bit tough, and it's actually a place in my life where I've been asking God all kinds of things. <laughs> anger seems to be an emotion that we're not very comfortable with, at least within the church. I think what James means here is that this is a little bit like being slow to take offense. And when I say that, then I think, hmm, let's consider the word offense for a moment. It actually comes from either sports or war language, and it divides people into two sides. There is offense, and there is defense. Hmm. So what does it look like if we consider what James is asking us is to be slow to be the attacker, to take initiative toward feeling wronged, towards needing to be vengeful? So often people hurt us or wrong us, Not out of spite or a desire to hurt us personally, but because of something that's going wrong inside of them. And you know, the moment that we realize that the situation and their dealings with us affect us, but it's not really about us, it is so much easier to walk carefully with grace, with peace, and with mercy at our fingertips, rather than with anger and frustration on our tongues. Now the reasoning that James gives about being slow to anger is for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So again, God's goal for our lives is maturity. It is righteousness. It is holiness. And the anger of man is not something that helps us get there. Now recognize that James doesn't say don't be angry. He just asks that we are slow to arrive there. He differentiates between this anger of man and the anger of God. In verse 21, it says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. Therefore is a watchword when we're reading scripture. It's a word that denotes an application or a conclusion that we can make because of the statements or the observations that came just before. So it's always good to kind of look back again. I see in James' words, before the therefore, a pairing between the anger of men and the filthiness and rampant wickedness, and then this other pairing of the righteousness of God with the meekness of the implanted word. The specific kind of anger that's attached to James' definition of the anger of man is one of vengeance. It's connected to a punishment or an action of some kind that would inflict something on someone else. There are places where Jesus was filled with this anger. We see it when he's up against the Pharisees. He feels it or he expresses it as a warning of what would come from God toward their pride. The word for anger when he's talking to them is actually wrath. That's the punishment that we face for filthiness, unrighteousness, ungodliness. It's, it's the punishment for sin. I don't know about you, but it's really comforting for me <laughs> to know that God gets angry. It's comforting for me to know that there's a possibility that I sometimes may feel anger because it is a way that we reflect the imago Dei, the image of God. Remember, we were created in his image. But we do have to place the consequence of anger, the punishment associated with wrongdoing, squarely back into the hands of God. It's not our responsibility. Only God can make right judgments in every situation we really have to lean into the truth that Romans 12 tells us, that vengeance is God's. So how exactly do we put away our anger and instead receive with meekness the implanted word? Well, the Greek word for put away right here, it, it means to set it aside. So hear with me and realize with me that it's not the being angry that's the problem, it's what we do with our anger. James asks us to forcibly, purposefully set it down. Then he asks us to receive or to pick up and take a hold of God's way as given through his word. Hmm. Okay. We can do this. There are two actions here. You're angry. Okay. God asks you to set that aside and then purposefully pick up something else. This thing we're picking up, it's spiritual gentleness. It's mildness of disposition, if you're looking up the Greek definition. I know these people, these people who are gentle and mild. They're comforting to be around. They're strong and stout and weighty and steadfast in a really immovable sort of way. Now, James uses this term, the implanted word. And what he means here is the things that you were taught, the doctrine of Jesus Christ and his disciples. John tells us in his gospel that Jesus is the word of God. And we know that Jesus is implanted within our hearts and lives when we give over to the inhabitation of the Holy Spirit. So suddenly for me, this teaching of James doesn't really feel difficult or harsh or nebulous or anything. He says, Set aside your anger without shame or blame, right? It's okay you're angry, just set it down. And instead, pick up the gentleness that's being fed to your inner self by the Holy Spirit, who knows a better way. Isn't this just the very definition of wisdom? Isn't that just holy and godly guidance? I have a friend who often asks for very black and white spelled out answers on what to do in particular situations. She wishes out loud a lot that God would give specific instructions. And you know, maybe we all feel this way, at least in in certain places. And I think of my husband way back when, actually when he was trying to decide if we were right for each other and if we should actually get married. He used to say out loud or wish for a flashing neon arrow sign that pointed to our next move, like an old fashioned Eat It Joe's emblem. But here's what I think. I think we don't hear the instruction or see it in black and white print because God knows we don't need that. The answer is living inside of us. You don't need it spelled out because the actions and the guidance of the Holy Spirit are giving you way more power than that, way more information, way more wisdom. The Holy Spirit knows what to do in every situation not just the ones that we get stuck on. The Holy Spirit is ready every moment of every day to give you the possibility of living into the very, very best choices. And the promise on the other side of living in coherence with God's spirit is the salvation of your soul, this freedom that James is talking about. It is your mind and your heart, the very breath of your life. So don't think about this salvation as something that is long and far off. It's not a someday sort of reward. Instead, I think what we really need to think about in terms of this scripture is this. Anger shuts us down. It closes us in and locks us up. It narrows our focus and it eats away at our life force. I think we've all experienced this to one degree or another. I had an experience like this not so very long ago. Anger had taken root and the world said I was right to this anger. I was justified. But the feeling that my heart, soul, and mind had was one of curling up smaller and smaller, tighter and tighter with my hands over my head, covering my ears, backed into a corner. I felt boxed in and trapped. And the more trapped you feel, the more like a wild animal you act. It is not pretty. On the flip side, over the course of many, many months, I chose, with the help of God and the prayers of innumerable people, to set that anger aside and to take up the gentleness of God's spirit. This choice woke me back up. It helped me start to stand tall again. It filled me with power and love and soundness of mind, which are things that God's spirit promises to bring. Setting aside anger and choosing gentleness and God's way helped me see clearly again and know how to do two important things. To walk away and to extend love and grace towards those who had created the environment and circumstances that trapped me. Your choice to set aside your anger does not make you weak, friends. If God is in you, and you turn to the truth of God's word and his inhabitation of you, setting aside your anger makes you incredibly strong. It makes you full. It makes you courageous and brave and complete. And you get to relax into knowing that God's wrath still exists. And God is the ultimate judge. And that he will handle the evil and the wrongdoing of the world. There are consequences there is punishment. But luckily, the payback is not ours to avenge. And you know, it's really, really freeing to release that sense of vengeance. It's this kind of freedom that James is talking about that I believe really saves your souls today. Now, let go.